Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again for another episode of Psychology Unplugged. Thank you for all your emails contacting me through Psychology Today. Appreciate all the positive feedback and all the topics that you would like us to address. Today's topic, cognitive behavioral therapy, or what people typically refer to as CBT. Now, this is the therapeutic modality that I was primarily trained in. As a neuropsychologist, my primary role is focusing on diagnostics. And there's a few people I see for cognitive therapy in private practice. And kind of the historical context of it is it really started with the work of Alfred Adler. Um, and mentioned him as Freud's student who disagreed with the notion of the unconscious and basically said everything is a choice. Um Later on, there was Kurt Adler, his son, and then Albert Ellis, who's really cool. Uh, his therapeutic technique was called rational emotive therapy. And it was kind of really like this direct in-your-face type of therapy. If you go on YouTube and type in Albert Ellis's songs, uh, he... I think he does one with depression for Yankee Doodle Dandy. And it's a very confrontational uh, therapeutic technique. And it, it, it migrated into the work of Aaron Beck, who is the founder of cognitive behavioral therapy. <clears throat> so what cognitive behavioral therapy is, it's based on what's called the cognitive triad. You have cognitions or thoughts. You have behaviors. And then you have emotions. Now, from my perspective, emotions are irrelevant in therapy. My wife would disagree, so would people from other therapeutic modalities. But let me explain my rationale for it. Everything starts with a thought. Thoughts lead to behaviors. And emotions are just the byproduct of it. So when I've done therapy, the last question I'm going to ask somebody is, how do you feel? And it's not because I don't care. Yes, I'm empathetic and you can respect the pain an individual might be in, but feelings are just the byproduct of it. You start with identifying an individual's automatic thoughts. And these are the thoughts that are just pretty much how we operate. And so it's really kind of slowing down the progression. So how I explain cognitive behavioral therapy is, is we're slowly going to imagine you have a, you're wearing a pair of glasses. And I've done this with people in the office, whether I have my, have my glasses on or their glasses, I'll gradually pull them off a person's face. You kind of pretend you're redoing the prescription and then slowly placing the new set of glasses with the new prescription back onto the person's face. So it's changing how you're thinking about yourself, how you're thinking about other people, how you're thinking about the world in general, and the conclusions that you draw based upon that. Now, cognitive behavioral therapy also focuses on what are called schemas. And schemas, if you think of it as a file cabinet, we have a schema. Imagine you're going to your favorite restaurant. We know the the stereotypical protocol. We make a reservation. We show up. We go to the host stand. We wait to be seated. We get our menu. We order. We eat. We pay. We leave. Now, if you go to a new restaurant that you've never been to before, 
you're going to do the same thing because you're pulling out that, that manila file folder out of your, your, your cognitive file cabinet. So schemas are uh, the sets of behaviors along with accompanying thoughts that allow us to act in similar ways, even in situations that we have not yet encountered. Now, there's also, we look at the dysfunctional beliefs. What are the beliefs and the thoughts that somebody has that are perpetuating whatever they're experiencing in the moment? There's a process called vertical descent. So say somebody, uh, adolescent says, nobody likes me. First question would be, okay, so you've met everybody in the world. Well, Well, no, I haven't. All right, so who doesn't like you? Nobody at school likes me. Okay, so you interacted and talked to everybody at school. Well, no. And you, you break it down, you find out that is this one group that just happened to not, you know, you, the adolescent isn't interacting well with. But again, <clears throat> reiterating that therapy doesn't take place in the office. It takes place between sessions. That's where the real work is. And the metaphor I've always used is um, I'm like a GPS. What is the end result? And like a GPS, we can recalculate as we go along the way, but I cannot and I will not drive the car. And in a huge component of the therapeutic process in cognitive behavioral therapy is vague goals lead to vague results. Someone says, well, I want to feel better. Too vague. What does that mean? Uh, I want to be less anxious. Too vague. What does that mean? So the more crystallized you can make your therapy goals. So if you're in individual therapy, talk to your therapist, ask, what are my treatment goals? What's my treatment plan? And also, what's my diagnosis? Because just going in every week and talking about it, and I I would role play therapy and people would be like, like, okay, what do you you talk about every week? Well, kind of how my week was and she got a new cat and okay, what else? Um, Well, you know, we talk about my relationship. Therapy from a cognitive behavioral therapy standpoint is very direct. It's very specific. It's very goal oriented. Um, and if you are an in individual therapy, you have every right to talk to your therapist and ask them questions, ask them things, ask, ask them for your treatment goals, have clearly defined goals, because the more you can make things more specific, the easier it is to identify. And most therapists are actually going to appreciate that because it'll guide the treatment process and you have more tangible goals. So you want to set proximal goals, things that you want to accomplish in the next day, things you want to accomplish in the next week, things you want to accomplish in the next three months, things you want to accomplish in the next six months. Because when people set goals that are so lofty, where, they, where they're so focused on the end result, and this is part of us being in an Amazon culture, we want immediate benefits. And I think Julie talked about this last week. You get an antidepressant, you need four, six, eight weeks to get the full efficacy. Same thing with therapy. This is not a magical process. Okay. And people don't, you know, people, therapists are, are, aren't mind readers. Um, you got to be raw and you got to be honest. And when I go I go back to what I talked about a few episodes ago, you got to be willing to look into that real mirror and 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 stop the the irrational beliefs of you know I I I can't you know vocabulary is a huge part of therapy, 
People can't fly. Everything else is a choice. The difference between needs and wants, and you know, I'm not going to be a, a hypocrite. We use these words interchangeably. Like, I need to go to the grocery store today. Do I need to go? No. Do I want to go? Yes. I because do I have to go? These when you put needs, have tos in in your therapeutic dialogue, it places an inordinate amount of pressure on yourself, and very little margin for error, and could actually have a ironically a negative effect because if i if i feel that i or believe that i need to do something or have to do something and i don't accomplish it then i'm going to perceive myself as having failed or that therapy is is a failure um we also look at what's called cognitive dissonance which is the discrepancy between my thoughts and my behaviors so a classic example would be somebody who's holding a cigarette and taking inhaling a puff and saying uh yeah, smoking is bad, and they inhale. So <laughs> they're they're saying one thing, and they're doing the opposite. So cognitive behavioral therapy is an incredibly effective tool for the treatment of virtually all psychiatric conditions. But it there's an art to it, but there's a science to it, and it's very directive. Um, so. Look up cognitive behavioral therapy. Look up the work of Aaron Beck. Educate yourself on this therapeutic modality. It is incredibly powerful. It is incredibly beneficial. It is incredibly effective. But realize that in your 45-minute to an hour session once a week, that the work takes place between those sessions, and the work is hard, and the, and the success rate that you will achieve, independent of what you are working on, is directly related to how hard you are going to work. And in cognitive therapy, you push patients, you hold them accountable, you, you, you're there to support them and guide them, but you're going to hold them accountable, and you're going to always want to instill hope, but you're not going to tolerate impatience. I mean, you're not going to tolerate, um, I wouldn't, I'm not going to tolerate laziness and I'm not going to work harder than you. So hopefully this gives you a little bit of a backdrop of cognitive behavioral therapy. Again, incredibly effective. Talk to your therapist about it. Educate yourself on it. Uh, we'll talk about how this eight cognitive behavioral therapy is utilized with specific disorders and possibly role play some different scenarios to kind of see how some of these techniques actually play themselves out. So until next time, be well, stay safe. Um, as I always say, learn to become independent of the good opinions of other people. And another great quote by Eleanor Roosevelt, nobody can make you unhappy without your permission. Feel free to contact me at psychologyunplugged.outlook.com or through Psychology Today. Until next time, be well. We'll talk then. Take care. Bye-bye.